Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome to today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Today I'm joined by Quinn Morris, Joe Lorenz, and Jeff Guy, three members of the Stand Up for Great Lakes team. This hearty crew is working at completing stand-up paddleboard crossings of each of the Great Lakes. And today we're going to talk about what they've accomplished so far and what's next. Before we dive into today's episode, Simon Osborne was a guest on episode 41. And Simon and James Stevenson have created a great online coaching resource in OnlineSeaKayaking.com. As of now, they have 14 different courses and over 30 hours of high-quality video to help you maximize your time on the water. Personally, I've been digging into the Sea Kayak Surfing program and have picked up a few good tips already. They've agreed to offer a special deal for Paddling the Blue podcast listeners. So if you're not already a subscriber, here's your chance. Visit OnlineSeaKayaking.com and use the coupon code PTBPodcast. That's PTB as in Paddling the Blue. So PTB Podcast at checkout. And you'll get 10% off up to 12 months of your subscription investment. You'll find a link in the show notes, so check it out. It's just another benefit of being a Paddling the Blue listener. So with that, enjoy today's episode with Stand Up for Great Lakes. Quinn, Jeff, Joe, welcome to Paddling the Blue. Hey, thanks for having us hey, thanks, today. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, we appreciate you joining me today. It's been a while. We've been trying to get in touch with each other, and uh, it looks like I had to move in order to be able to get in touch with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, Quinn, let's start by telling us a little bit about how Stand Up for the Great Lakes got started. You know, it kind of all started at a uh, Christmas party with some some beers and a group of us that had been paddling, I'd say about 10 years ago now, about 2012, 2013. And um, we kind of, someone just kind of brought up the idea of, is it possible? Can we do it? And, you know, one thing led to another. There's five serious guys that wanted to give it a try. And it really just started kind of as a challenge of a lifetime and to see if we could do it. And then we, yeah, Stand Up for Great Lakes was born. All right. So why cross the Great Lakes? Uh, Joe, I mean, kind of toss that one to you. Like Quinn said, uh, it it first started where we were just thinking, could is it possible to cross Lake Michigan on a paddleboard? Like, what are the potential deal breakers for something like this? And the more we started thinking about it, the more we wanted to try it. At the time, Lake Michigan was the goal, you know, the, the only goal. And then as soon as we got done, there was, you know, Jeff Quinn and I decided that we wanted to try and do all of them. Very cool. So sometimes the, you know, the, the best ideas come from those parties where you're just sitting around and, and it blossoms into something huge. Yeah. So, Jeff, what was the motivation for, for really starting Stand Up for the Great Lakes as a not-for-profit? I would say once we did Lake Michigan, we just had such a kind of outpouring of support and, you know, contacted from other charities and organizations. And I think at that time we started to realize this could be more. I wasn't sure we were, we were going to really do any more, but um, the group that came to us next was the Shipwreck Society over in uh, Alpena. I think it was around that time we actually looked into, all right, let's make this legitimate. Make it a 501c3. Let's take it into something more. So Quinn, what's the mission of Stand Up for the Great Lakes? It kind of changed throughout our organization. Like you said, it was the first mission was to, to cross Lake Michigan. And then, you know, as we were brainstorming the adventure, it was like, well, let's do it for something. You know, let's, um, Let's pick an organization and raise some funds. And then, like Jeff said, when 
the Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary reached out, we were thinking, okay, we'll raise money for them, but what, what else can we do with all this positive attention that we're drawing on ourselves from doing something kind of crazy, paddleboarding nonstop across Great Lakes? So we decided to raise awareness for water quality, plastics in our in our great lakes and we kind of we kind of try to stay positive with everything every lake but we do bring up some of the issues so we've more from just crossing the great lakes to beach cleanups after parties to student micro adventures like showing that they can make an impact too kind of inspiring the next generation and then with our films so i would say we've grown from just paddling across the great lakes to a whole mosh posh of of different different things. So are you raising money for a different organization with each lake? Uh, yes, yeah, so we partner with usually an organization. So when we crossed Lake Michigan, it was the Cooperative Institute for Great Lakes Research, or, or did I get that wrong, guys? It was uh, no, yeah, um, the Alliance for the Great Lakes, sorry. And then we part, yes, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, we partner with a different organization, raise money for them on our big adventures. And then when we do more local things, we take donations for Stand Up for Great Lakes. I'd love to hear about your planning process. So, so far you've done every, of the, every one of the Great Lakes except Ontario. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So that's the next one on the list. And we'll talk about that one a little bit later here. But let's start with Lake Michigan. Uh, walk us through the Lake Michigan trip and your planning process for that. Like I said a little bit earlier, we, we didn't know what to expect on Michigan. We had... We didn't know if it was possible. We didn't know what the unique challenges are going to be. So we kind of like just tried to think of everything that could go wrong, you know, and, and then how are we going to plan for everything that, was, that could go wrong? One of the big things for us was dry suits. So we realized pretty early on that if we wanted to do this safely, PFDs aren't just going to cut it. Leashes aren't just going to cut it. We need we need dry suits because if we went down in the middle of the night, the, I think the water was like 37 degrees because that's the best time for that we found for the weather. You know, the, the water was, was so cold. If we would just, you know, the board shorts or a wetsuit, we would have not been okay. So really just for Lake Michigan, I think it was about thinking of all the things that could go wrong and planning or over planning to... Uh, you know, avoid a, a, a bad situation. So what time of year did you do Lake Michigan? Uh, June. June. Oh, June. Okay. So the water's just starting to warm up at this point. Yeah. And, and, and the reason we picked June is because that's the, you know, cold water is, is somewhat stable. But overall, that was for a 10-day window. That was the best weather window that we could find historically that would give us the, you know, what we needed for um, an actual crossing. Where did you go to and from? We started in Algoma, Wisconsin, and we ended in Frankfurt, Michigan. And about how long was that trip? I think that was exactly 24 hours, maybe just a touch longer. And you're what, about 60 miles? Yeah, that was about 60. One, one thing I wanted to add, I just thought of that Christmas party. That was the first time I ever met Joe. Oh, and uh, <laughs> we were talking about this, uh, about paddling across Lake Michigan, and Joe was really adamant that it was possible. And I said, oh, how, you know, how long have you been paddling? He goes, I've never paddleboarded before. <laughs> I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, yeah, that, yeah, that was thing, interesting. One thing, John, I wanted to note with our first crossing, we actually had planned this in 2014. And like Joe said, we're preparing for the worst, but we ended up picking August. And that's when we learned 
we we got in contact with some people that are on the Great Lakes all the time, some fishing captains and and the guy that's been with us on every one of them, and he recommended switching it to June and waiting to the next summer. And we also had Ford Motor Company interested in doing a documentary and sponsoring us. So that first summer, we almost pushed the envelope because we had done so much planning and we had raised $10,000 at this point. And we were like kind of forcing the issue and we had bad weather, huge waves in August, you know, with, with the warmer, warmer temps. And I'm really glad that we postponed. It was one of the hardest things we had to do, but we postponed to the next June. And of course that winter was a polar vortex winter. And uh, the water, like Jeff or Joe was saying, was 37 degrees, air temp was 41. And that was one thing that I didn't prepare for on that journey was how cold. Because we left, we were all shirtless. It was beautiful, 70 degrees on shore. And we got out to the middle. And I remember looking at Joe one time. I was like, are you freezing? He's like, yeah. I was like, good, me too, you know. (laughs) So... Yeah, a dry suit has about the uh, has, has the same insulating property as a shower curtain. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, there's not much insulation there. You got to have something underneath it to to insulate you. Yeah, there were so many cool things that happened on just that journey alone that we could we could talk about from someone accidentally dropping their paddle and then it just happened to hit somebody else's board and they didn't even realize it. You know, <laughs> like there's just so many things that were kind of cool. The Aurora. Oh, the Aurora? You are able to see the Aurora as well? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Very cool. Huge stars. It, it was an amazing night, for sure. What time of day did you leave? So we left at around 11 on that day, and I actually wish we would have left earlier. Every other lake we left earlier because we had this huge tailwind going, and we thought it was a little rough. So we left at 11 and ended at about 11 the next day in Frankfurt. So why did you choose to leave, leave late on that one? I, 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 think I think maybe one of the guys cool. wanted to sleep in felt like sleeping in i don't remember who it was but (laughs) oh i remember i remember now somebody had like two hours of phone calls they had to make yeah there was a lot of issues going on but really there's a big storm the night before and like when people saw us going across on the boats they're like what there's like 20 mile an hour winds what are you guys thinking so when we met as a safety team the night before it was more like, okay, let's let it die down a little bit. So looking like 11, the wind's starting to tail down, and it's supposed to be a nice, easy breeze the rest of the day up until the next day, and then it was supposed to pick up again. So we tried to pick that best 24 hours where we weren't being fatigued with huge waves because that's kind of, you paddle, you know, and you're staying on a board in a wash machine. Even though it's tailwind, it, it can be really challenging and fatiguing. Sure. So we tried to we tried to let her die down a little bit, but but then the wind kind of didn't do what we asked it to, and we paddled on one side for I think ninety five percent of the day or the whole trip, and it was on the right side because it was coming from I think the north pretty consistently. Wow. Yeah, I remember when we got into the Frankfurt Harbor, I like switched switched sides, and it was like the first time I switched sides in like <laughs> several hours. <laughs> yep. I I and think that, it was a. Uh, I think it was the other way, Quinn. It was coming from the south because we got pushed uh, north of Frankfurt, and we had to paddle the last like three or four miles, kind of back into the into the waves. Yeah, I think you're right. And then that last two hours, we got hit by three, four foot waves when we were the most tired, and people were falling in. and And Jeff could tell you about. Uh, I think he dropped a GoPro that Ford owned. And uh, the story of how they recovered that weeks later is, is insane. Well, let's hear that, Jeff. 
so we're, we're coming into Frankfurt and we were probably within two miles and uh, we were starting to feel pretty good, you know, pretty happy. Uh, we're almost done. And um, we were in some pretty large waves and I lost my focus for a minute and uh, got hit by a big wave and, and went in, it fell off. And in the process of that, the GoPro that was mounted on the front of my board was fell in too. It had a floaty rubber thing on it, but it didn't didn't work. It just it sank to the bottom. So we had a guy. Our film director was very upset with this, <laughs> and uh, fortunately, Ryan Matusiak, our captain, boat captain, marked the spot on a GPS. And about two weeks later, he hired a diver. And um, this diver goes down, he was down for about 40 minutes, and he found the GoPro on the bottom of the lake, 140 feet deep. Wow, that's a needle in a haystack for sure. Yeah. Joe, you were talking about contingency planning, kind of all those things that could go wrong. So what were, those, what were some of those things that you'd thought about through the process, and how'd you plan for those? First off is, like, equipment. Do we need extra paddles? Do we need, you know, what, what do we need equipment-wise? And that came down to basically, like, uh, you know, the basics, boards, inflatable PFD, leashes, and, and uh, dry suits. And then, um, you know, what do we need to eat? Do we, are we going to want to eat? How many calories do we need for this? You know, so the first time, I really over-prepared. I had enough calories to do, like, all liquid or enough calories to do all solid in case one didn't sit well. All our water, you know, I, I definitely overplanned the first time. For me, at least, as we've gone through now, I pretty much just bring water and some dried mangoes and not, and not much else. Um, and that, that does the trick. So I've really, like, for me, streamlined the process. The other thing is to, our, you know, our weather window. Like, do we have minimums and maximums? What are we... Because obviously we're all getting... There's usually about 20, 30 people involved with this. So when we're making the call of to go or not to go, there's there's quite a bit of pressure to go. So we need to have personal standards as far as what weather will we go in? What weather will we not go in? What are, what are the deal breakers? Just in, And just basically going through all those, all the different things that you can possibly think of and, and, and getting all the different situations that might happen and, and what you're gonna, what, what your response to that's gonna be when it actually happens. So uh, I'm gonna move over to Quinn here. So Quinn, think about those, those thresholds that Joe just mentioned, those, uh, one of those hard stops. What are those hard stops that you guys would have put in place that said either go or no go? Obviously wind speed and wave height is always something we're looking at. Wind direction, how long the wind direction is gonna be. So. I think, you know, if we're going to paddle in three to four for waves, how long are they going to last? So that's something that we, we predetermine. How long is the headwind going to last? You know, how strong is it? I would say when you were doing this, Lake Huron was our long one at just about 100 miles. So you can't, we as a group have decided we can't do more than, you know, a few hours of three to four foot waves. I mean, especially if they're coming at us. So Specifically, I think it changes based on what the weather is is looking like. I mean, I remember one time on on Superior, we canceled the day that we actually went and it was forecasting, you know, two to three foot waves, maybe a possible, you know, wind, but then dying down. So we're like, okay, we can do that for two to three hours and, and still get this done. And we ended up with a sheet of glass the entire time. So the big thing that we've learned is 
even though you have this perfect forecast, you're probably going to get something different. Those lakes are so amazing and, and, and so hard to predict, even with all the buoys. And I'm not sure any of the lakes that we've done, the forecast has been what was forecasted for that no. day. So we talk about that. And, and sometimes we push the line because, you know, we're getting toward the end of the window or, you know, like this one, we've had to cancel three, four times because of COVID I'm talking about Lake Ontario in 2023. Sure, uh, we've had to we've had to cancel and and done other adventures. So and like Joe hit it spot on. We have so much pressure from all the different people lined up that have taken time off that are you know ready to go. That we got to be smart as paddlers and make that that good decision. Jeff, think about some of the highlights on the Lake Michigan trip. What were some of those things that really stood out on that one? I think probably the the middle of the night was pretty probably my favorite thing um, even though we were freezing but you're kind of standing there looking up at the stars and uh, one of the boat captains goes oh you're in the deepest part of Lake Michigan right now we're in 980 feet of water and that was pretty pretty spooky but (laughs) at that time that was probably the coolest paddle I've ever done so middle of the night and then obviously at the end you know you get done and your family's there friends kind of just sit there and take in what you just did now joe you had just started stand-up paddling not not long before that particular trip right correct so what did you do to get prepared for the trip to be honest it was it wasn't as much paddling as you would think it was more like i was trying to think of like what the weak links are going to be you know feet is obviously a big big factor so i was doing some stuff to work on like foot strength and endurance and then other than that, it was it was mostly like preparing for all the different variables. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't out there unprepared as far as what might happen. And, and that really honestly was what it was mostly about for me. Okay. And, and not as much paddle technique. Quinn, how long did you guys expect that trip to take? We really had no idea going into it with this being our first one. You know, in, the, in that first summer, I remember we I paddled like crazy, getting ready and trying to be in the best shape. And we estimated actually, I think around 24 hours, maybe less if we had a tailwind the entire time and maybe more if we ran into some weather. So we did tell people, you know, that were waiting for us on the other shore around 24 hours. So we we estimated around three, you know, miles per hour. Um, Sometimes it's less, sometimes more, but then you got to take in the fact that we have a five to 10 minute break every hour or every other hour. So. And you had a support crew with you, right? Yeah, every every lake, we it's important that we have a support crew. Not only, I mean, it's kind of the insurance policy. Jeff says it's the best. It's like, you know, on Lake Huron, we had two storms go around us. You know, if those go over you, you know, you're the tallest structure in a large body of water. I mean, it's pretty spooky. So in case something happens, someone gets hurt, if storms do pop up, if we get physically exhausted that we can't go on any further, you have that insurance policy. I mean, the whole issue is, what we're doing it for is to raise awareness for the lakes and to show people the beauty and some of the awesome organizations working hard to fight for the lake. So we also don't want to die. We have people that care for us. Yeah, yeah that would really ruin the trip. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did they support you along the way or were just they kind of there and a little ways away from you if you needed them? They are just there in case there's an emergency. And then they also have, you know, that's where all the filming comes from. So our, our goal for this is to do to do all these completely unassisted. So we don't touch the boat. We don't get anything from the boat. The only thing that goes from the boat to us is maybe 
jokes sometimes to lift <laughs> our spirits. But other than that, um, you know, our goal was to do these all unassisted. And I think, you know, honestly, I think it's just kind of, it would be irresponsible to do it without the boats. And it's not, it's not sending the right message that we're trying to send to other people. You know, like we don't, I don't think that that's a, a safe and responsible way to do it. So why would we advertise that if we're trying to get people out on the lakes and do what we're trying to do? What year was Lake Michigan? 2014? 2015. 2015. 2015. Yep. All right. So the initial start was 2014. You delayed that into June of 2015. Uh, what was next? We went to Lake Huron, and we were we actually had no plans of continuing on. That was one of the hardest things our whole group had ever done in our lives. Like Jeff was hitting on, we had some amazing things like sunrise, sunset, the stars, all that. But we got a message on Stand Up for Great Lakes, and it was Stephanie Gondula out of Alpena, and she was like, what do you think about you know, raising money for us and crossing Lake Huron. And I brought it up to the five original paddlers and two were like, no way. And then Jeff, Joe, and myself said, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's start planning this. And um, that one actually was postponed one year too, because we just didn't feel like the planning was there. And that next summer, we did it in 2017. And that to this date was the hardest thing. It wiped out Lake Michigan by far just because of the distance and what we had to go through. Really? So, uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit about the Huron and what made that one more challenging. Yeah, so one of the things I just thought of, I wanted to say first, is uh, when we're doing these, uh, the, the safety boats are usually fishing. So a lot of the times they're, uh, you know, they're tro- we're going about three miles an hour, and so it's good trolling speed. So I would have to say there are only a couple times on these trips I've ever touched the boat I didn't actually touch the boat, but we held out our paddles and got salmon sushi, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was pretty cool. And then on uh, Lake Erie, it was a uh, walleye. But yeah, that <laughs> that leads in kind of to Lake Huron. I had a, another time where I fell in and it was playing around with a steelhead fish, but that was sort of in between two massive storms that we had. And we probably had about six to eight hours of rain total on that on the Lake Huron trip. So uh, that plus the distance, plus big waves, plus per, uh, personally, I got very cold because I had fallen in messing around with a steelhead and had my dry suit halfway on. That one was was brutal because we paddled through the night and typically when you know the sun comes up, we can see the other shore and on Huron we couldn't. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, 100 miles, That's that's a big one. So what what yeah. else was it that wiped you out with that one other than the hundred miles? It was just being it was just being wet and cold in the wave size. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was like at minimum like a constant light to medium chop from all directions because there's like these multiple storms, so the the chop was coming from kind of all over the place. So there's just it's like a washing machine the whole time. Ah, that that's, just took a toll. That's rough. Now where'd you go to and from on that one? That one was Alpena, Alpena, Michigan to Tobamori, Canada. So we tried to go straight across there. And and that was the, the issue with that shoreline is we said, Frankfurt, we're going across to it. We're getting to Frankfurt. And we actually had a little fight on Lake Michigan because it would have been way easier to go right to shore and be done. But we said we we're going to Frankfurt. So on Lake Huron, we're like, wow, we can just get to the other side. But then it's all rock and, and it's kind of like pictured rocks over there. So you have to pick a harbor, and we had to fight the waves again. And um, that ending of, of Lake Huron was really tough. Big waves, and it just felt like it was never going to end. 
Yeah, yeah. And it was a you know an extra ten miles of that where we could we were right by shore, you know, but we couldn't go to shore because it was all rocks, and that was that sucked the life out of for sure. Yeah, I bet. So that was 2016, right? 2017. So 2015 was Michigan, and then 2017 we did Huron. All right, and then what? And then we went to the Big Dog Lake Superior, which was the, probably the most enjoyable paddle and the most memorable one that I've ever done in my life. All right. Well, now why is that? It was just you know we had done we did Michigan to see if we can do it. Let's pick coming as close to our hometown as we can with Chiver City. We then did one that was really long. We did the distance. We crossed the one of the biggest parts of the lake. And on this one, we decided to pick more memorable locations. So the start, we picked a spot where there's Native American pictographs on the walls. And then we got permission from the Canadian ministry to go out to the Edmund Fitzgerald and do a little ceremony out there and, and put down a wreath. And then we ended at Whitefish Point, which was the organization we were standing up for. And it was just glassy weather. We started in this fog with these huge cliffs all around us, and it was just so enjoyable. Um, no rain, beautiful sun, good spirits. It was just a, it was still a 22, 24-hour paddle, but it just felt, after getting our butts kicked the, the summer before, it just felt like we earned that one. <laughs> so how long was yeah. Superior, I mean, in terms of distance? It was right around that 60 miles. That's about what we try to do now is um, around 60 miles. I think it was just under 57, something like that. And, and like I said earlier, we picked this Tuesday that was glass. And originally, I think on Sunday, we said no. Sunday morning, we said that there's huge storms in the area. You know, we're, we're not going to be able to do it. But it was so hard to predict that one and, and to get the good conditions. The last minute, it kind of turned. And we did that paddle, we got to shore, and, and some guy was like, you guys should go play the lottery right now because I've never seen Lake Superior that calm for that long. And then later that day, there's three, four-foot waves out there. So we got this perfect little window and, and, and got her done. And what time of year did you do uh, Superior? So we delayed this one because of the water temp being colder up there. So we did this one in July. So I think it was the second week of July, right after the 4th of July. You mentioned that you're supporting an organization out of Whitefish Point. Tell us a little bit about that organization. Yeah, the Great Lakes Historical Shipwreck Society right on Whitefish Point. The, the cool thing about them is not only do they have a museum of ships that have gone down in the Edmund Fitzgerald Bell that we had actually gone up there in November previous to the paddle of 2017 that would have been and did a paddle the night the Edmund Fitzgerald, the, the anniversary, and we had the honor of actually ringing the bell. But the cool thing about that organization is they're actively looking for shipwrecks. And so last year, I think they found a record of, man, I don't even want to say the wrong number, but but they found numerous shipwrecks. So they're out there not only searching for shipwrecks, their out, outreach program, but also just telling the stories of Great Lakes maritime history and past. Right. And your next lake was then Erie. Exactly. Right. Yep. Lake Erie the next, the next year. All right. So Jeff, walk us through Erie. Okay, so Erie was interesting because we stared at a map for hours trying to figure out a, a good route and, you know, where we wanted to start, where we wanted to end. Eventually what we settled on was a little unconventional. We started on Belle Isle, basically downtown Detroit, and the first probably 20, I think 21 miles of that paddle was the Detroit River, which was really interesting. And then once we got out, out of the river into Lake Erie, 
we cut across the lake. And so probably the, the last two thirds were across the lake, but we brought in, um, the Detroit media market, which was, I think, good for us and raised a lot of money. And then also we went, we went through some areas that in the past have been kind of environmental problems. So we went past Zug Island, for example, which I think is the most polluted place in the country. And also some neat things. You know, we went past Joe Louis Arena when it was being torn down and had our Red Wings jerseys on. So <laughs> that, uh, that aspect of going down the river through the city of Detroit was, uh, was something that was pretty unique. Now, was it purely for the uniqueness of going through the city that you chose that, or is there some other reason? I, I think it was two things. One, there just wasn't really a natural route to go across that was long enough unless we started in somewhere in Canada. And then the other part was we thought it would be neat to get the Detroit media market. Joe's dad, Scott, is a great media PR guy, knows a lot of people there. So we did, it, it worked. We did get a lot of media attention from Detroit. And where did you end up landing in Ohio? I think it was called Catawba. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to pull out the map here, but... Um, Catawba Island? Yep, Catawba. it was Catawba yeah. Island. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. And John, like we said before, we kind of tried to pick something new and different. So we'd done the, each thing, we'd done the big crossings. We we're trying to pick more memorable things and doing the Detroit River where the Edmund Fitzgerald had kind of been forged at River Rouge and then doing our 40-some mile open water crossing after that. And, 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 the, and the river wasn't an easy feat. You can ask Joe about that. If you get out of those yeah. currents, and we had a headwind almost the entire time, if you get out of the currents, you get pushed back, you know? Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, what would you say to those who might say, well, you cheated a little bit on that one because <laughs> you, all your other ones were point to point across the lake with no current. But here you've got 20 miles with current. Yeah, so like we still paddled all the way across the lake without current. You know, we we added the 20 miles of the Detroit River to spruce it up a little bit and make it a little bit more tough, a little bit more fun. And the river actually was quite a bit harder than we thought it was going to be because we did have a pretty good headwind the whole time. There was a good couple hours in there where I was on the wrong side. I was like on the side of the river, I think, and the, the currents ended up being kind of backwards. So I was working quite a bit harder than I should have. Right. That was actually the hardest part for me. That, well, actually, in the middle of the lake too. But there, there was uh, there was one break where we, because we had a headwind that whole paddle. There was one break where we rested for like five minutes and we went further back than we did that whole hour forward. So then we had to kind of stop taking breaks and just kind of stay paddling the whole time. Otherwise, we just were getting blown backwards. Yeah, you catch those eddy currents, and uh, that'll that'll mess you up. Well, that river was no joke. Like jo Joe said, that wind coming down there was like a wind tunnel, and there was chop, and so it wasn't easy for sure. Yeah, especially when you add wind against current. So, mm -hmm. so Joe, tell us a little bit about the organization that you were supporting uh, during Erie. The organization uh, for Erie is called the Cooperative Institute for Great Lakes Research, or SIGLER. And they're actually one of the few people that are, you know, in the trenches, in, on the lake, doing research. One of the big things that kind of a hot topic now for Erie is those algae blooms. So they've got, like, submarines and buoys, and they do a lot of work to figure out, testing the water, figure out what's going on, and then things that, you know, might be able to help mitigate these. So they're, they're the ones, among other things, uh, getting some of the hard data on these things that we really need to actually like do something about they're a great organization to have on the lake uh, for sure lake erie is known as the shallowest of the great lakes and can often be the roughest of the great lakes just because of its mm. uh 
its east-west orientation for its length. Rafes can really build up on that, but there's also a lot of agricultural runoff in the area. So you mentioned algae blooms. Did you see any evidence of that? We did not. It was actually one of the surprises was that going down the river and once we got in the lake was very clean, much cleaner than we expected. And we were kind of surprised, actually, you know, visually everything looked pretty good, which was nice because it shows that there actually there are things that are, are making a difference. That's good to know. So that leads you guys up to um, your your last of the Great Lakes, Lake Ontario. So, Quinn, tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, so after Lake Erie, we were planning on doing it that next summer, which would have been summer of 2020. And obviously the world kind of went crazy, so... We postponed and we did a, a more of a local paddle here called the Chain of Lakes. It was a it was a one day adventure and we kind of planned let everybody kind of join in with us. It was twelve hours I think, and the Chain of Lakes up here is amazing. The next year, again, we looked at it and we still couldn't get into Canada very easily. And and the route that we have kind of chosen is another unconventional route. Like Jeff was saying, we're starting in Toronto, and we're going to be heading over to Niagara on the lake and then back to Toronto. So we're crossing a Great Lake twice on this one and just for for a different feel. And even this last year, we were trying to plan it again and still the, the border was giving some people some issues and we just didn't feel like it was quite ready. And like I said, safety is our number one issue. We had some safety boat problems backing out at the last second and we postponed it to this summer and and we're in the planning phase. So this summer as in the 2023, and we're in the planning phase right now for that adventure. Toronto to Niagara-on-the-Lake, back to Toronto. Exactly. Yeah, so That's pretty cool. Now, how did you choose that route? Basically, every paddle that we do, you know, we have, we're, we're looking at the weather. We have people who are actual meteorologists helping us with weather. And we always seem to end up with a headwind, no matter what we do. <laughs> So we were kind of just joking around, like, well, if we paddled there and then back, we're we're almost guaranteed to have a tailwind for half of it. So that was kind of a joke at first. We're like, ah, we might as well, you know, do that. Uh, like, yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens. But knowing our luck, it's going to switch halfway, and we're going to have a tail or a headwind the whole time. But it makes it a good comedy performance. And and like we were saying before, every lake's a little bit different from a little bit of river to then the open crossing or more of a triangle or open water. And this one, we're like, let's cross a great lake twice. And then the same people, the same media, a big media area, which are one of our main goals when we're doing these crossings to raise awareness and attention, right, for the great lakes. So the same people that send us out at six, seven in the morning are going to greet us back in six, seven the next day. And we're like, wow, you have nonstop paddled that entire time. It, it just brings it into perspective. So so that, that was another reason we chose that route. The challenge for this one for us is logistically, it's so far away because we all live in Traverse City. So all the other paddles have been quite a bit closer, uh, at least the, the point that we've started them. I think what we're going to have to do is basically go to Toronto for a week and that will be our window. And if we get a good day the first day, we do it. If we get a good day the fifth day, we do it then. That's been a little challenging. Plus, we don't know anybody there. So getting a safety has been tougher than normal. But we think we're getting making progress now and can do it next summer. Now, is each way about 30 miles then? Yeah, I, I think it's just about 30. Okay. Of course, we don't exactly paddle in a straight line when we do these, but 
I think if you draw a straight line on a map, it's about 30. All right. So still, still trying to stay within that roughly 60-ish mile range for the whole trip. Yeah. Joe, tell us a little bit about the organization that you're supporting for Ontario. We're trying to figure that out right now, actually. Um, that's one of the things we're working on is, is seeing if what organizations we can find that are like-minded and have the same goals and motivations that we do. So that's kind of what we're um, discussing right now, actually. For our Canadian listeners who are out there, uh, know of an organization in, uh, in the Toronto area or that somehow has a connection to Lake Ontario, maybe they should reach out to you? Yeah. You mentioned Chain of Lakes. Quinn, you mentioned that, that one. So tell us a little bit about Chain of Lakes. What is the Chain of Lakes, and, and how did you get involved with that particular trip? Yeah, so we wanted to keep our momentum going, and there's a paddle that we always thought we'd do in the future after the Great Lakes were done, because really we'd want to do these summer by summer and, and, and complete all five right in a row. The Chain of Lakes, like we all live and have been on the Chain of Lakes our entire life, and like I teach in Elk Rapids, and so the Chain of Lakes kind of ends right there in Elk Rapids. So we decided in, I believe it was August of... 2020 we wanted to keep the momentum going so we uh, picked paddle antrum a nonprofit working for that putting kiosk and water safety and all of those things that are important to us so we were like all right this one's not just us paddlers anybody who's experienced can join in on a different part of the route because it goes all the way up from near east jordan on six mile lake and i can't remember exactly how many lakes but there's a there's quite a few of little tiny lakes that all connect on the upper chain and then you get to Bel Air and that's when the lower chain begins and you have bigger lakes such as Torch Lake, Elk Lake and Skigamog. Um, so it was different for us but also allowed us the people that have been following with us to come join in and, and have a part of that. So we did that that summer and then the next summer we did the St. Mary's River from, from up by the Sioux. So I assume that when you ended that one, uh, you, you celebrated with more beer at Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we did, we did have some beers, if I, if I can remember. <laughs> I would say, I don't know if he uh, cares if we mention this, but Joe Short was on that paddle with us. That's and, right. And uh, he, he did incredibly well. He had to quit before the end for some reason. But one thing, when we came into Bel Air... There's a little rapids. There's actually one spot you have to get out. There's a dam. Come around this corner, and Joe Short says, "Oh, I, I own this property. We'll be, we'll be fine going into these rapids. It's not that big." So, okay, we go, go through the rapids. It wasn't that bad, but we come around a corner, and there's a tree down, blocking the river, and we had a total log jam. I mean, we had several people paddling with us at that point, so there's probably like eight or ten of us that hit this tree, and it was a total disaster (laughs) jeff got pinned (laughs) yeah well we had we we really messed up our boards especially joe yeah had some serious punctures yeah they were because we're you know we're using our 14 foot crossing boards not our you know nice little inflatable ripper boards okay so yeah and it was just come around that corner hit the tree nothing you could do board flipped over underneath the tree you know it was yeah it was a disaster fun though <laughs> <laughs> you ended up with a good story at least yeah. absolutely and all on film ah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah partially the reason that i couldn't avoid the the log was because i was GoProing at the time so I was, you know. <laughs> 
uh, we'll have to talk a little bit a little later about uh, how people can see those films as well. So yeah, Joe Short and Shorts Brewery, they've been great supporters, I know, of Paddle Antrim as well. And Paddle Antrim does good work up there in the Chain of Lakes. Absolutely. Quinn, you mentioned that you're a teacher up in Elk Rapids, and uh, I hear that you've gotten some of the kids involved in some programming as well. That's one of my favorite things besides the Great Lakes Paddles that we do is the incorporation of students into our organization. So just this year, we have two junior board members, some students that are actually on our board and can get some experience, and they're going to be planning events. But also, it kind of started with uh, two of my eighth graders. We went across the Straits of Mackinac in April, so it's freezing cold. They raised a ton of money. And then a few years later, we had a couple girls also do the same adventure across the Straits of Mackinac. They raised a ton of money for an organization. And then just recently we had, so I guess almost two years ago now, holy moly, uh, we had this group of three that wanted to paddle from the Sulaks all the way to Drummond Island. And with weather conditions, they didn't quite make it, but they raised, you know, well over 20 some thousand dollars for Stand Up For Great Lakes on that adventure. So they joined us on the Paddle Antrim Paddle or the Chain of Lakes. They've been on beach cleanups. They've helped us with our showing documentaries at the State Theater in Traverse City. But just seeing that youth involved and and wanting to protect our Great Lakes is, I think, amazing. What a fantastic experience for for the kids, too. Yeah, they all come back and say that it's life-changing. And what's cool, one of the the girls that did the paddle across the straits, we ended up taking some of that money and giving her a scholarship so she could do this freshwater studies course through the summer. So we always say, any of you guys that, you know, have helped us or have done something, you ever need anything for that kind of initiative, we 100% support you. Now, you mentioned junior board members. So you've got... Um, kids on your board yeah this is this is a new thing that just our last board meeting we we added two high school students that are i mean they are go-getters like if you look at their resume it's it's pretty impressive but they they want to get some experience not only for their resume but also because they love stand up for great lakes and want to contribute Paige peters and jada schulte from elk rapids a junior and a senior both have joined our board nice touch I want to throw one more thing in there. You had mentioned uh, the Mackinac trip, the St. Mary's trip, and you mentioned just the the risk that goes along with those. Now, when you've got kids on the trip, what else do you have to think about in terms of safety um, in addition to what you've thought about with the other trips? When we do the other trips, it's safety's first, so that doesn't really change. It's really showing the parents that we're getting them ready. So we do training paddle after training paddle and get them in the cold water and And really, it's more of making sure the parents know that we are taking safety first. So we get the kids in dry suits, of course. And for that St. Mary's paddle, we had them paddle the Elk River. And it was, man, 15 degrees. And I made them jump in with the dry suits, just showing don't panic. You know, if you do go in, you're safe. We'll get you out. And and that's the beauty of paddle boarding is you go in the water, you can get back on your board and you're not submerged in that water. So... We always have an EMT on board. Like I said before, we show the parents that safety is number one, and, and, we, and we prepare them. So you still have the safety boats in place, still have all the, all the same safety protocols. Exactly. And even more with, that, with the kids. 
how can listeners reach Stand Up for Their Great Lakes if they've got additional questions and want to learn more about your mission, about the things that you're doing, and maybe get involved? So going to our website, standupforgreatlakes.com, our email is on there, and also we're pretty active on Facebook, you, so you can send us a message on Stand Up for Great Lakes Facebook page. You can watch our documentaries right on our website and also on free on YouTube. You just search Paddling Lake Huron, Paddling Lake Superior. They all come up and, and they're very well done by Corey Atkin. So, yep, going to our website or our Facebook page. And uh, any shouts out you'd like to give to any of your support crew members? Man, that could that's a huge list. I would say uh, Ryan Matuzak, <laughs> our captain, Mike Saunders, our EMT, Corey and Stephanie Adkins that come on every journey with us um, to film and and get us live on TV. Um, man, guys, all of our, I mean, Bruce at the, uh, there's so many. <laughs> you mentioned media contacts as well. And, yeah, Scott, uh, Scott Lorenz is huge with our PR. I mean, guys, am I missing anything? Mark Guy, our board member. Tom O'Hare, the weatherman from 9 and 10. Yep. Thank you. So, Quinn, what message would you want other people to know about you and the trips that you've done? I would say that our organization as a whole, we're, we're not extreme athletes. We don't paddle for a, a living. We are normal guys that and girls that have day jobs or multiple day jobs. And we do this because we love the Great Lakes and we want to keep them pristine and beautiful for generations to come. Awesome. We appreciate the mission. We appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, definitely uh, an interesting story and, and fun, uh, fun to follow along. So we'll make sure we include those links to the to the films and to stand up for the Great Lakes on our, uh, our show notes, including on our website so people can follow along. So I do have one final question for you guys, and that question is, who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? Um, so I'll, I'll throw that to Quinn first. Yeah, I would say Maddie LeBlanc. She's been huge with this Lake Ontario crossing, helping us out. She's right there from Toronto area, and she's a big paddle racer, and I think her story is inspirational. I'll work with you off- offline, and we'll uh, get Maddie's information and connect with her. And I know Jeff and Joe, you had one that you were interested in as well. So, Jeff, who was that? Sharon Bustamante, and she lives right here over near Glen Arbor and has done numerous kayak trips throughout Lake Superior, the Great Lakes, but I think has some interesting trips planned. One would be Antarctica. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll connect with you as well, and uh, we'll get in touch with Sharon. So, Joe, Jeff, Quinn, thank you very much for joining me today, and I really appreciate learning about Stand Up for the Great Lakes and all that you've done, and uh, we will be following along on your journey for Lake Ontario. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks, John. If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or whitewater, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. That's a lot of miles on a stand-up board. I really love how they've engaged students as advocates for the Great Lakes while getting them excited to be outdoors. These guys are also living proof that a group of regular guys can come together to make a big impact.
Now, Quinn, Joe, and Jeff have been with the team from the start, and they've done all four Great Lakes. And I do want to make sure that we also give credit to two others, Joel Mueller and Nick Darga, as they were members of the Lake Michigan crossing team. I'll include links to Alliance for the Great Lakes, the Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary, Great Lakes Historical Shipwreck Society, and the Cooperative Institute for Great Lakes Research in the show notes for this episode at www.paddlingtheblue.com. So check those organizations out and consider giving them your support too. Don't forget, check out onlineseakayaking.com and take advantage of the great video lessons that James and Simon have assembled. And again, enter the code PTBPODCAST at checkout to get 10% off just for being a member of the Paddling the Blue community. Our next guest will be Joe Solomon. Joe was referred to us by Madison Eklund. She was a guest on episode 73. And Joe paddled the Ohio River and the Mississippi River in support of mental health. And we'll talk with Joe about how paddling changed his life. Until next time, thanks again for listening. And I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.